And it's a marathon mentality. It's not that we're in a race, but I'm like, yeah, if I'm looking at what so-and-so is doing, I'm like missing the miracle of the fact that I get to do this when I gave up on myself, you know? And I'm not going to cry on Get Seen Unscripted. But Welcome to Get Seen Unscripted. I'm your host, Jesse Malinowski. We are going to dive into acting insights, meet industry pros, and master the business. Don't forget to subscribe and share. We're keeping you behind the scenes and ahead of the game. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Get Seen Unscripted. I'm your host, Jesse Malinowski. I'm so glad that you are here uh, and whether this is your first time, I want you to know that we are so amped to be on your journey and helping you in a big, big way. And if you're coming back, just continuing to give you massive, massive value. I want to give a shout out to all of you that have subscribed and have less, left us a review or a comment on YouTube. I really appreciate it. It, it truly does mean the world that you are getting a lot out of this. And I know that you could be listening to anything you want. There's so much information out there. So it does mean a lot that you have chosen what it is that we're doing. So thank you. And with that, I want to shout out someone, Miss Shiv Hazelwood. Hazelwood, what's up, Siobhan? She said, Jesse, Candy, and the entire Get Seen team have done it again. This podcast is another amazing avenue. They provide actors to get us ready and keep us sharp on this ever-changing industry. The guests that are always so insightful and informative about the latest and greatest and everything you need to know about auditions and the pulse of the Southeast acting market, I learn and hone my skills with them. Shiv, you're so welcome, and I'm glad that you are here. And with that, everyone, we bring you our next guest. It is an actress, everyone, and dear friend, Miss Lauren Buioli. Lauren, how are you? I'm wonderful, Jesse. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad that you're here. You look great. Thank you look you. you look ready to go. Thank you. Let's rage. I'm ready. How about rage? You? Yeah. Everyone, you know Lauren's a rager. <laughs> we were we were joking about this before we started. I was like, rage? She's like, yeah, in connection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, friendship. Friendship friend rage. Friendship rage, yeah. It's good. <laughs> I don't like party, so I've got I've got energetically rage. And and everyone before, you know, her uh, she's close with Candy too. They were just raging about sleep <laughs> yes. and how important sleep is and how you need to be sleeping better. They both have aura rings, mm -hmm. so Candace monitors Lauren's sleep. <laughs> like, hey, you need to be sleeping better, girl. Candy is my doctor. Yeah, oh boy, yeah. <laughs> it's true, it's uh, true. So, Lauren, you, as soon as I met you, I was completely blown away by how good you are at networking, connecting. I mean, we're, we were joking about the rage fest of connection, but I mean, <laughs> You really are unbelievable at it. Um, like I, everyone, I met Lauren. She she moved here and she interned at Get Seen. That's how we like first met one another. And I swear I had been here for like, I don't know, six or seven years. And you were here for like six days or something. And I'm like, I think she knows all the same people as me already. And I didn't understand how. Like, so how, how do you do this? What strategies do you have when it comes to networking? That Thank you, first of all. Um, I was raised overseas at an international school that people would come for six months or two months or a couple years. So you didn't grow up with the same friend group. And I think I, in order to adapt to that, I got to be overly friendly. 
And um, just because you had to connect quickly with people to have friends. And in truth, when I moved to Atlanta, I knew no one. And I felt like I had to make a point to put myself out there. And, and you know, I was on Bumble BFF for a minute, like, just being like, hey, I need friends. Let's go to the gym. <laughs> you were like, cool. Um, but, you know, I... I think I had to be a little bit fearless in putting myself out there to make friends, to build community here and in an effort to not want to be alone. But I think it was that childhood experience of, you know, new people are just friends you haven't made yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you build that fearlessness? Hmm. Um, I'm a big believer that confidence and fearlessness, it's a choice. Like, I don't wake up feeling fearless. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Um, but I feel like by moving through fear and saying, like, what's the worst that could happen here? Is that, you know, Jesse says I can't intern for him. Okay, well, you know, devastating, truly. But if that had happened, I would have had an, another option, right? Um, so I think by putting yourself out there, you end up growing, and it's that that's the exciting thing. I think that's been where Atlanta has been so good for me as it's pushed me outside of my comfort zone and I get more excited about the growth because I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> how, how important do you think this skill is for an actor when it comes to whether it be, you know, connecting with a casting director, connecting with their agent, booking, mm -hmm. connecting on set, um, Really important because every day of a new job is like the first day of middle school. You know, it's like, who am I sitting with at lunch and who am I talking to in between classes or shots, you know, or it feels like you're constantly making new community and new friends, um, new collaborators. I think the piece with casting directors and, and people who might feel like they're of a different echelon is not making ourselves small, like really seeing it as we're all here to collaborate and create um, and how many times have we heard casting directors, directors, writers say, we need you, right? Yeah. So I think sometimes we have this uh, energy of, oh, please, sir, can I have some more? I'm just a peon. Don't look at me. But I think, again, that fearlessness and confidence is moving through those moments and breathing and saying, you know, everyone feels this because it's often a new challenge is out of our comfort zone. And it's just practicing showing up and saying, you know, this is the job and that the cool thing about this business is that you grow so much as a person as a result. I mean, you have to. You have no choice. Mm -hmm. I mean, and 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 what I think also cool is like you, your your greatest superpower in this is your uniqueness and and who you are and what you're growing to be. And as you grow as an individual, I think you also grow as an artist. Totally, totally. And you, then you bring that to the roles you play. You know. I like to joke that when I see tricky people, I just observe them and I'm like, I'm going to play you. <laughs> yeah. So everything becomes material. <laughs> yeah. How do you how do you decide who you bring? Like if you're like, oh, that's a character over there. Are you like, I'm just going to bring them to the next role or are you just kind of try to put them in your material box? Or Yeah, I love that question. I think when I look at sides, I love to say, who have I seen in the world that is not a caricature of this human being? that has, you know, and it might be just little things that I say, you know, I, I play a lot of bad people. Which is and, so weird because you're not bad at all. Thanks. But <laughs> funnily enough, like the thing, it, there's not a lot of accidents, right? I used to attract bullies um, mm. because I 
didn't quite know how to stand in my power when I was younger. And that's a work in progress always. <laughs> but I think, <laughs> let's be real. Um, but I got really curious about what makes someone nasty. And so often I get really fascinated about when someone is playing a villain and they're kind of twirling their mustache, but often really hateful things are just said with a little bit of a smile. like, And that's so haunting to me. And I got really interested by it. So I think it's kind of catharsis for me to be like, I can play evil because I've experienced it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... When go, going to the like seeing the different characters and and bring them bringing them into some audition work, are you like trying to like embody that quote unquote character, or you're like I'm just gonna bring this one small thing to it? I really love to think you know about making it as close to me as possible while bringing in different facets that make that character who they are. I try not to separate. I try to find more uh, that's similar between myself and a character than what's different so that it doesn't feel like a reach. So it might be, you know, thinking about things that I've lived through that I can identify with that that character might be familiar with. And then maybe, you know, I love to get curious about people's physicality because if I just talk with my hands a little bit and I start to just like maybe have a little bit of like an influencer voice and like have a little bit of a vocal fry, it immediately makes, you know, like it just little things. I'm like, does this person have a vocal fry? Does this person, um, where does their voice sit? Where's, how are they physically? Those little things can just make you feel so different. It's like when you get to set and you get a costume and you're like, there's the character. I think it's fun to play with in our auditions, playing with our styling, playing with our voice, playing with our physicality. Um, I just took a class with Raven Drummer that was so good and she's like, I love when I see a physical story in an audition. And I'm like, if we're starting at a different place at the top of a scene than we're ending, how does that show up physically? So I think it's so easy to be like, I want this role, but I try to think about you know auditions as an opportunity to flex new muscles and get excited about, okay, now I'm layering this and this. So long-winded way of saying, you're gonna have to tell me when to shut up, Jesse. Never, uh, never. Of just saying whatever lights me up. Cause I think we can feel that, right? When I get mm. excited about a costume choice, when I get excited about a physical choice, I think we can feel that rather than wanting to get it right. I think that's the trap, you know? Yeah. What about, I think, especially here in the Southeast, um, our opportunities are crazy, right? We get so many opportunities. Crazy. And maybe someone could argue like almost too many because we begin to get jaded. Mm. You know, I, I think I can say like, I've probably averaged well over a hundred auditions for like a decade or mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, that's a lot of auditions. So for the person that's maybe um, like, oh, I, it's just like, it's just another one. It's just another one. It's just another one. And, and maybe beginning to lose a little bit of what you're talking about there. Cause what you just talked about sounds so fun, mm -hmm. right? So artistic. Thanks. You're really getting into your craft. If you feel like you're maybe getting a little bit jaded, how do we, how do we spark that fire again? Mm. Well, I'll bring this back to something. I don't know if you remember this, but one of the first jobs I booked here, 
I called you absolutely distraught afterwards because I was like, Jesse, I fumbled a line and they're never going <laughs> to see me again. And you're like, Lauren, you're probably going to book that. And I was like, I am trash. So you were really there for me and built me up in that moment because I used to, as a recovering perfectionist, I used to really want to get it right. And I think over the years, and it's been many years, so I'll say that this is a process, but I've started to say, how can I honor myself as an artist and say, this thing, I got into it because it makes me feel so alive and I love it more than anything. And not just the result. Like I do love auditioning. I do love connecting with people and growing. So I will say I really appreciate the opportunity here because I, I lived in London and New York and LA where opportunities were not plentiful. And I was lucky to get a audition or to get representation. And so I don't take it for granted. And then I say, not every role is meant to be my role. Mm -hmm. And I think just that perspective of seeing the audition as the opportunity to grow and lead me to the thing that is for me, then I'm falling in love with the process rather than getting fixated on the result. Because often if we're fixated on a result, I think it's because we're coming from wounding. And like, I need that thing outside of me to affirm me. So I feel like an actor, oh, and wow. a good actor. And that's my new thing that I try to check in on is, am I getting grippy and too intense because I need to be affirmed right now? And how can I zoom out and affirm myself? You know, because this career is never going to make you feel good enough about yourself ever. No. no. And that's not. the thing I wish I could tell my 16 year old self that was like, I just want to be an actor, you know, because I've wanted it so bad I'd cry. And I was so one dimensional and obsessed. And life had to kick the, you know, what out of me to see like, you know what, you're a human being who loves this, but you're a human being first, you know? So true. And I remember the, uh, this idea, this thought came up when we had Austin Freeman on the show. Uh, and it was like, you, yeah, you want to be affirmed, right? And for the longest time, people are like, oh, what do you do? And you're like, I'm an actor. And then they say, oh, have I seen you in anything? And you're like, no. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, that really beats you up. And then finally you get some stuff that you can't wait for that person to ask. Mm -hmm. And then they ask and they go, what's that? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so like, that, the, the, but have you been in Marvel? No, but I know Groot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's like, you know, you, you, that affirmation that you want mm -hmm. from someone else, like, mm -hmm. like still doesn't come. No. Like that booking that you think is going to solve everything mm -hmm. just honestly, truly does not. You know, my new trick when people ask me about industry related stuff is just to, I think people love to be seen and just getting more interested about them than talking about and trying to prove that I have a body of work. Because I'll tell you, my mom's hairstylist is so excited I've been on Lifetime. If I ever need to feel good about myself, I'm going to call her and be like, girl, what you watching on Lifetime? <laughs> yeah. You know? But then the next person can totally judge that thing that I was a part of. So I'm never going to make something outside of myself the source of where I go for my self-worth. And I, I would only say that I've been able to get to this place because I used to do that chronically. <laughs> mm. Well, I feel like, so I mean, I feel like you started to circle back here without even meaning to about again, how you're so good 
at connecting with other people, it appears that you, you always do your best to make it about them. Mm. Um, it, like, is that is that the strategy? Like, do you are you consciously thinking about this all the time? Like, hey, when I talk to this person, I just want to go make it about them and not about me. So it's it's a weird way that I stumbled upon this, but I took a break from the industry because I left the business three times. Uh, I took a break from the industry and taught early childhood education and special education. And when people picked their children up at the end of the day, I made a point of letting them know I loved and saw their children by telling them a story from that day that showed I know their child. And seeing a parent's face light up when they know their kid is safe, they're cared for, and that you you really see them and get them it was just like parents would come to me and be like the stories. And I'm like, I love telling them. So I think seeing that how that translates to this business for me is genuinely caring about someone's project and not showing up to set to get something from them, but to contribute. And that can be contributing great energy, steady energy when you, the, you know what's hitting the fan, uh, being prepared, being professional, caring, like wanting to know people's names because you don't know what someone's going through and how many hours of sleep they've had. And, you know, just genuinely, I think, wanting to show up with the intention of like being a light rather than trying to take. And I have had to learn how to set boundaries in this business because often, and I don't want to make anyone right or wrong because we're all out here doing our best and evolving. But when I feel someone's energy is, what can you do for me? I immediately go, like, I just want to talk about my dogs and like know how your family's doing though, <laughs> you know? Because at the end of the day, I want to, I'm like you, I want to talk about things outside of this industry. I don't want to be one dimensional. So the interesting thing is that I would lay down on the street to help someone. Like I'd do anything for someone if they've shown me who they are over time, like, in who they are, their work ethic, um, how they treat other people, uh, their you know what they're doing behind the scenes, and how their their kindness is really important to me. But if someone's sliding into my DMs and I've never met them and I don't know their work, and they're like, "Hey, can I have a referral?" I go, "I don't know what to talk about when I refer you. I I want to speak to who you are, and I don't know you yet." So I think all that to say, I think relationship building is about wanting to be seen, like showing up as your best self, not to get something, but to contribute. And then you attract the right projects, I think. And also really just being cognizant of like, we're all doing the best we can, but are we acting from wounding by just trying to take the shortcut and being like, can I have, can I have your agent? You know, cause <laughs> I, I am so grateful and absolutely love the people that go to bat for me. Like my team, I want to refer people that I know aren't going to make their life harder, that they've enhanced my life. And I want to, I want to put in a good word for someone who's shown me who they are over time, you know, but if I don't know your work ethic, I don't know your heart. I don't know, you know, um, I can't go to bat. Um, so I hope that answers your question. Yeah. That was a and, monologue. I'm and, sorry. I mean, you know, you're an actor, so get those monologues out, girl. <laughs> uh, you, you, it's interesting because I think you bring up such a, like, such a great point on how to do this, but if you are someone in the industry and we know the saying, it's all who you know, mm -hmm. and so you're like, yeah, like, I want to get to know people mm -hmm. 
to move my career forward. It's mm -hmm. coming from a completely selfish place, right? Mm -hmm. Yet the strategy is be completely selfless. Well, here's the thing. When I moved here, I took class at every studio in Atlanta. And the jobs that I got from being in class, I didn't ask for. They, it was relationships that built through people seeing my work and me seeing their work and us becoming friends. So I was there for a selfish reason. I was there to grow as an actor. I was also there for a selfless reason to want to support that business, right? Because I know like in supporting someone else's business, that's, you know, that's a good thing for all involved. I'm growing as an actor. I'm, you know, I like to spread the word about businesses I, I believe in. Um, but I think it's just, it's corny, but having good intentions, like wanting to move the needle forward for yourself and having goals and strategically working toward them. But I think the idea of networking in terms of wanting something from someone else rather than showing what you have to offer them is, it's just tricky. It's a nuanced thing. And we could talk about this for hours, I will say, but I just, I don't like when something feels transactional. I'll, I will make an ask and I'll make a bold move if I've shown someone who I am over time, but I won't just slide into someone's DMs and be like, I like that big trailer you were in, baby, who's your agent. You know how people talk. You know how people network. <laughs> I wish I was getting a DM like that. I've had a DM that was like, how'd you get that trailer? And oh. I was like, my agent's yeah, over My agent? I was like, I gotta go. Um, <laughs> so. How'd you get that trailer? How'd you get that trailer, baby? I feel like guys don't get the same DMs as girls. Well. I'll I'll just I'll I'll do some character work and slide into your, your DMs and I'll be like, how'd you get that fancy podcast studio, son? <laughs> um, well, speaking of your acting work, um, you've done three different projects with Tyler Perry. Uh, let's see, The Oval, Young Dylan, Young Dylan, and then also Jazzman, Jazzman's Blues, yes. And uh, I actually got to go with you and Candy to the premiere in Toronto, which was so awesome. But I want to focus on Tyler Perry because I just think this man is such a beast. Um, in working with him several times on multiple shows, is there something that really sticks out to you and like what you have learned from him or taken away to mm -hmm. make you a better artist? So... I had a crisis of conscience when I was a teacher deciding to go back to the industry because I felt like I knew every day I was being of service. When I show up and I'm working with a child who has seizures and I'm holding that baby and I'm talking to their parents, I know I'm making a difference. So I thought, how do I go back to acting, which feels somewhat self-serving? And he has been an example for me of how you can embody a service mentality, not only in creating opportunities for other people, um, how you can change someone's life, and then how you can give back both to your community and then globally. I mean, you know, he's getting awarded humanitarian awards, like his the Oscar that he received for his humanitarian work and his um, service. It showed me that in fulfilling your purpose and like you're in and sharing your God given gifts, you can 
have a platform to create opportunities for other people and make a difference in the world. So seeing that, like I, it was a dream to work with him. And I've just learned so much in watching who he is in the world, you know, because I think this can feel like a very egocentric business, but you can change people's lives and you can make a difference with your art. And, um, you know, it's really changed my life and just seeing how the team he's assembled, everybody embodies that. Like that's the spirit that Raven has when she teaches, when she, you know, it just, uh, you see how from the top down it, it affects everyone when that's your mission and your purpose, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we had Madi on the podcast, he said, he said something, sim you know, he said similar, similar words and talked about like that leadership. And mm -hmm. again, as you said, it, it kind of like trickles down. Uh, what about uh, the experience on set and the speed mm -hmm. at which he yeah. shoots? And and as you were kind of talking, I was just kind of like, you know, I feel like people give him a hard time for like shooting fast. And I actually was like, I mean, this is brilliant. Why are you shooting 13 takes anyway? You're only using one. Mm -hmm. So if you know you got it, move on. Mm -hmm. So when I was on set, I actually was like, I get it. Um, but it also kind of just like, I don't know. I just kind of had this epiphany as you were talking about, like, I, I love that it's kind of like a metaphor for like going after what you want, like mm -hmm. go after it fast, Yeah. go after it quickly. Like it doesn't have to be perfect, mm -hmm. you know, like just do it. Yeah. But what, what were some things that you kind of learned through that process? I'll just respectfully say anyone who has time to, uh, trash talk anyone else or look down on anyone else needs a hobby. And mm. when you see what he's built. <clears throat> and the lives he's changed, I'll just, you know, yeah. mind your business and get mind a hobby. Mind your business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love I'll it. I'll say that. Um, so I was in class at the time at Drama Inc. And someone said, congrats on your booking. Be ready on the first take. And that having that, you know, it's where I think I'm a, I'm a huge class nerd. I love I don't go to the gym once and never go again. I love being in class. I love growing as an actor. And that's where I think community, like people who have your back, who say like, girl, go in guns blazing, you know, like you've got to be ready. Um, I love that. And you see the actors you're working opposite, just turning it out. And I'm like, that's, you want to be Super Bowl level. And I don't know sports, but I'm told Super Bowl is pretty good. Huh? <laughs> um, so you want to be, you know, I, I mean, I want to be with the best of the best and people who are like, yeah, one take, let's go. Um, and then... I think just I, I learned from young Dylan that, you know, I mean, that's that it was a dream role. It felt, you know, I played a teacher who rapped. I'm very lucky that I'm friends with girl. It was girl. so good. Thank it you. Was so good. But it goes to show, like, in terms of relationship building, Kathy Ranking put me in one of her plays with an incredible rapper by the name of Genesis B. And I saw this audition come through and I reached out. I was like, Genesis, may I please compensate you? Because compensate artists. Uh, uh, can I please compensate you to help me with this rap? And just seeing like, I'm a nerd in that I love to go the extra mile and I've often gotten slack for that. But I'm like, you know what? It, I mean, I'm gonna learn how to rap today and that's fun and that's cool. And I'm gonna try to put my best foot forward. And it was so much fun, you know? And the same with Jazzman. Um, there's a great um, dialect coach, uh, Paula, and it's accent colors on Instagram for anyone looking for a dialect coach. Oh, but she, Paula Van Lanningham. Yeah, she's, she's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I love her. Uh, the queen. So, um, you know, I, I worked on my dialect for that because it was a specific dialect. And, you know, again, over time, people have been like, you know, you can't give 150% every audition. And it's like, well, you can 
want to do your best work because you're that character today, you know? So seeing how that behind the scenes effort makes a difference is, is affirming, you know? Um, and not that I can look to this to be affirmed, but I want, I want to encourage that work ethic, you know? Um, because it's important. Yeah. I think that's great. And I love, I love the, like, I'm going to go learn how to rap today, but you said that oftentimes you've kind of gotten some slack about that effort Mm -hmm. that you do. Um, yeah, I think one could argue like, oh, you're, you're spending too much money or I'm going to continue to be in the red as an actor. If I keep like every audition, I'm doing some specialized training or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, you know, what do you, what do you say to that? I love that because there's there's a project that I'm potentially working on in September, October. And I don't know, I haven't signed anything, but I would need to be a great archer. So I've started archery lessons and archery's fun. Like it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> and my brother thinks I'm cool now and that's a new thing for me. So I'm living <laughs> in that space. And I thought, you know what, If even if this doesn't happen, I'm crazy enough that I want to show up on set and hit the bullseye and be like, no, thank you. I don't need a, um, I don't need anyone else to hit this for me. I got it. Yeah. Um, cause I'm cuckoo, but, um, it's fun, you know? And I'm like, if I don't use it in this, I'll use it in something else, you know? So I think looking at all of it as the process that I might, you know, if I hadn't been on jazz man, that's an accent I'm going to use, you know, and it's a skill that I need. Um, so again, I, I budget for this stuff. I like a lot, a certain amount each month of like for coaching, for whether it's dialect or a lesson for something new. Um, and I just consider it like my ongoing education, you know, but I love it. So if I hated it, I wouldn't invest money in it. Yeah. And that's so powerful. And I love I think you took it a step further that I wasn't even ready for. And I love that you're like, I budget for this. Like I'm planning. Mm -hmm. I don't know what, I didn't know. Like if we talked to you last month, right? We didn't know it would be archery, Mm -hmm. right? But this month that is what it is. Mm -hmm. It's archery. And maybe it will be archery for the next couple of months. That's Mm -hmm. what you've decided. If we, if this was an accountant podcast, right? We'd be talking about some boring class that maybe we should go take instead and in being artists and actors like this, like we can go do archery or learn a dialect or or get tactical training mm-hmm. or all these other things that are like kind of badass and cool. Yes. And Jesse, my brother and nephew live in the mountains and they are so excited that I'm not like, ah, bow and arrow. You know, they're <laughs> yeah. so, cause I, I don't really have like a mountain gal energy, but I'm gonna be able to shoot an inanimate object. I'll tell you that much. Hey, yeah. Um, so they're like, oh, we're so pumped. You can come up and and, you know, shoot with us. I'm like, cool, but nothing living. Um, so, uh, and I mean, for me, it's like seeing that that's a way to connect with my brother and nephew, you know, and I'm excited about that. So I think, um, you know, I grew up riding horses. I still take horseback riding lessons because I'm like one day that's going to be something that I might be able to draw on, you know? How do you, I think some people might get stuck. Maybe I'm just talking about myself. No. Um, get stuck on, um, oh, like I want to learn this, but I don't know where to go look to find it, mm-hmm. uh, to like get the coaching or to get the experience or to really dive in. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do, how, how do they do that? The Google. The Google. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I think the cool thing about social media and the interwebs is that there's so much at our fingertips that I think, you know, just looking, 
someone just DM'd me and was like, you're doing archery? Where do you go? And I'm like, Atlanta archery, you know? Um, so I think asking someone who's doing the thing that you want to do, looking it up and starting small, you know, I think I'd started taking ballet classes again because I'm like, that's something physically that, um, I'd love to sit like a gremlin and I'm, you know, <laughs> potentially playing someone who is very much not a gremlin. Uh, so really thinking about but when you get the gremlin role, you're ready. I'm ready. It's just natural. <laughs> I don't have to act. <laughs> I'll be gremlins all day. Um, thanks for seeing my truth. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think again, it's just how I had this huge epiphany during the strike where when I used to do theater, I would train for a role and I was so lit up, whether it was for an audition or the run of a show, because I was training. And I'm like, I have to be training for the thing I can't see yet. Mm. So I love that it got a, mm. you know you're on the right track, is it? Yeah. Mm, from Malinowski. <laughs> um, but I'm like, I have to generate inspiration. It's not gonna land on me. You know, I when I wake up and I don't have audition and auditions coming in, I don't want to be reliant on the next like hit of dopamine from my C-mail. You know, I want to say, okay, whether I'm on set or auditioning, I'm, I know I go to the gym to train physically. I know I take my ballet class. And it's like something like ballet is so cool because you see these adult humans who are doing this thing on their own accord that probably lit them up as a child. And it gets me choked up because I'm like, live your dream. <laughs> you, are, you are ballet um, but it's beautiful I'm like you're carving out time when you could be anywhere else to do something that brings you that creative spirit and that joy so I, I try to seek it out where I can because otherwise I'll be at home worrying again none of this thing none of this comes naturally to me so I like to say to people like it's a process and I used to be I love mindset and talking about mindset and mental health because it used to not be something that felt like it came easily to me. I was the kid who worried. I was the person who wanted to push and make things happen and know I was going to be okay. So I think in time I saw, you know, your energy can be felt and you got to work on it if if you are kind of in the throes of fear, which I was for a long time. Good. I mean, good for you for realizing that the mind, just the mindset aspect is is in your state can change all of it. Mm -hmm. it. Changes your outlook. It changes how you see things. It changes how you receive things. Mm -hmm. And so when you begin to get that right, everything else begins to get easier. Totally. And I think, you know, what the way I used to operate when I was younger, because I lived in LA, I was born in LA and started in the business when I was little, then worked overseas in, in London and uh, was giving it a go in New York and then LA again, and then had to leave the business because I was going through a time, but I think I really was looking for the job to show me I was enough mm, and to show yeah. me that I was talented. And the the whole thing is, I had this incredible experience. Last, the, the whole thing is the, the job isn't there to show you if you're talented or not, you know? And I, was, I got to be a part of in-person callbacks uh, for a, a, a movie that was filming here last summer. And it was fascinating because I saw three actors read for a role. They were all phenomenal. And the first one came in, I was like, he will book. The second one, I was like, will also book. And the third, I was like, three-way role. <laughs> and then I heard the director make decisions. And he was like, you know, the first one looks a little too much like his counterpart that we've already cast. The second guy, like, 
He's a little bit too confident. He doesn't quite have the energy we're looking for. Third guy, he has that energy. And I was like, they're all brilliant. They just, they're putting him opposite someone that they just, it's an energetic thing. And something about seeing it, I was like, I want all actors to know this. It's not. So now when I audition, I'm like, they might need a different energy. They might need a gremlin today and it might be my day. <laughs> um, so it just helped me go like, it's not about your worth. Your worth's never in question, you know? Um, which my younger self was like, yes, it is. <laughs> so, you know, wow. you got to learn, you got to learn it by living it sometimes, you know, if you're enjoying the podcast, I know you'll enjoy this story. Many years ago, I wanted to write a book and one of my coaches said the title of the book should be something that is a huge pain point for actors. I want you to think about that and figure out what it is. And I immediately knew what it was. Rejection and actors having to deal with that rejection over and over and over again. And so he said, that's the title of your book. And so I want to send you my best-selling book, Turning Rejection into Success, Creating an Actor's Positive Mindset. The book is set up into a 52-week series to give you motivation and inspiration as you're on your actor journey. And I want to send it to you for free. So there's a link in the description. All you got to do is put in your email and I will send it to you immediately. So this can be a fantastic tool as you are on your journey and you find that success as an actor. Let's chat about getting on set. Mm -hmm. And you've had an experience of getting one episode of a season and getting all of the episodes uh, in Netflix's Florida Man, um, for instance. And so I'd love to talk about the difference of how do you, how do you show up? Do you show up differently for one episode as opposed to eight of eight? I think it's, you know, kind of like when we audition for a co-star versus auditioning for a guest star, knowing how you're there to serve the story is important, right? And I just saw the fact that she had an arc over seven episodes I had to be confident that I knew her in my bones and that I was there to help drive that story and to know that like she was ambitious and cutting and would push someone down a flight of stairs. But I decided that for the whole season, I would carry a, a Jesus calling in my purse because it just helped me drop into who she was. And like little things like that, like I know her inside and out so that I end up making jokes with people about how ridiculous she is, right? Because I know her. And I had a playlist for who she, like what she listened to to get herself pumped up. So I think it's different in that I could be wrong, but when they see you embodying her or him or whatever character you're playing, you know, I had an instance where they wrote a new scene. And I was like, that's amazing because that's totally how I see her. And it, it like lit me up to think, man, this is a living thing. You know, it's not, uh, since scenes were cut. So it, it evolved as it, as it went, right? But I think it, it taught me that no matter what the size of the role, we've got to show up trusting our talent and trusting that we were asked to be there and that we're there to serve the story, but that the fact that it was over seven episodes, I saw it grow and evolve and it helped me 
have confidence in my choices, you know, because when I saw the breakdown for that, just as a, for instance, it said, um, you know, it, it really, I felt like I knew her and I, I said to myself, I feel like she's Tracy Flick meets Elle Woods. So I ran with that. And that was kind of my anchor for her throughout the season. And the cool thing I, in that audition process, I put myself on tape and then Chase and Tara came back and asked for a retape. And they said, we're liking the L Woods vibe. And mm. I got chills all over my wow. body. I was like, if nothing else, something in my instincts were on and that's exciting, you know? Um, so be, just beyond grateful. Cause that was something I think, again, the road has been very rocky for me. So when something like if, if nothing else happened in my career, from that moment on, it just, that was lightning in a bottle. And I'm so grateful to Jake and Corey and Taryn Chase and that whole team because it was, it really set a standard for me because people were so collaborative. And watching those stars on set, seeing um, how collaborative and kind and hardworking and humble they were. I mean, Clark Gregg uh, directed an episode and the way that man lit up, like, yeah, we got it. That's it. Like all over. Like you could just feel how much he loved it. And I'm like, that's what I want to bring to a set that I love being here and I want to contribute that kind of energy, you know? So I hope that answers your question. Yeah. How how can you gauge, um, I guess, the maybe bringing that type of energy and then knowing when, oh, this set has a different vibe <laughs> and let me say I, that's a great distinction because he was the director of that episode and he's clark Gregg, and so he he's setting the tone but then him being like girl we got it yes that was it come on and it made me be like okay let's rage like let's go clark, clark Gregg. like <laughs> it's it's having i think emotional intelligence to read the room i'm not gonna be you know I, I've played a nurse before and I didn't walk into Nima Barnett and be like, all right, Nima, let's go girl. Like, I, you know, like I'm not going to come in and try to set the tone when I'm playing the nurse. But when she meets me with that energy and she goes, okay, diva, I'm like, okay, diva. It's just reading the room, I think, you know, um, and not trying to bulldoze and prove with your energy, you know, because if I came into every set and I was like uh, frenetic and trying to, uh, bring the party in a way that wasn't authentic, I think people would be like, can you please sedate yourself? Yes. You know, <laughs> for sure. which is why I meditate because I do feel like I need to sedate myself. <laughs> you're, you're your own personal sedation. Good. <laughs> yeah, good meditation. So you've mentioned that you have, uh, I mean, and I know that you've done work in, in LA, New York, Atlanta, London. Um, how were you able to, or I get more like, how are those markets all different? And, and how are you how are you able to juggle, I guess, figuring them out in a way or not figuring them out even? Yeah. Um, I'll let you know if I've figured anything out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think <clears throat> that's something I, you know, with the Internet, everybody's like a, an expert, you know, and I like to say I'm just figuring things out as I go and I'll let you know. The th I'll, I'll say I take everything on a case by case basis, you know, and I my mom's from Georgia, my brothers are here. I have roots here. So like, this is my home. Um, and then I have been lucky enough to work in other places and I just take each job on a case by case basis. I have family in New York, I have family in LA. 
Um, so I can work as a local hire in places, but I think it's looking at each project and saying, is this a fit? Um, and saying, will my expenses be covered if I'm there? Are the shoot days consecutive? Because yeah, my, my family's in New York, but if it's six non-consecutive shoot days over three months after I get a sitter for my dog and flights and, you know, take care of all the kind of behind the scenes logistics of making it work. Will I break even? Will I make money? You know, so I think it's just uh, taking things on a case by case basis, but I'm a big believer in investing in building a life somewhere. Um, I would love to work in multiple markets and continue to do that, but I also love having friends here. I love having relationships here. And um, so I think it's the beauty of things being virtual is we can work anywhere. It's just taking each project on a case-by-case -case basis. And uh, it's not that I think when I audition for something in LA that it's that the market's so different. It's that I might have relationships in Atlanta where casting knows me, right? So it's saying those things take time if you start auditioning in other markets. And it's it it's no longer about quantity. It's about quality over time and showing people who you are and your your skill, you know? Yeah, definitely. And how, how do you, I mean, I know you talked about like, you know, breaking it down for the days and the project, maybe getting a dog sitter and all that. You know, what about, I feel like I hear stories from different agents or, or whatever about, you know, this actor wanting a bigger trailer or wanting more money or they feel like they should be traveled. Like, like how, how do you think you really truly balance it? Like on when is it worth it? When is it not worth it? And obviously it's different for each person in their individual career, but I guess how, how, how do you do it? Yeah, I, I, it's going to be corny, but you know me. It's, is this a story I want to tell? Are these people I want to work with? Because if it's a story I want to tell, like that bathroom right there, I'm happy for that to be my trailer. Be, and I just think, you know, I understand that we have to have standards and we have to keep growing in our career. But at the end of the day, I I, I don't want to care about the size of my trailer. I I, I want to be comfortable if I'm going to be there for a long time and all, all of that. I want to say, like, this is a nuanced thing. But... I try to check my ego, you know? And that's probably what it is, right? It's like, it, it comes back to just like focusing on like, what is it that you want, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, you, do you want like overscale so you can have the pride, I guess, of telling people, oh, I got overscale? Mm -hmm. Or like, do you really think like that makes the difference? And I, I ask myself, yeah, I think there's so many factors we have to take into account, right? I ask myself, is this helping me grow? either in my craft or saying, okay, this is clearly like a financial step forward in my career, or I don't think it's black and white of like, I have more money and said trailer, so therefore I am important, you know? Because at the end of the day, you know, the thing that got me back into acting was doing community theater and it brought me back to life, you know? Yeah. And I think for 99.9% .9 of us, like that's why we do this. We do it because it, it lights us up and we love it and we want to make a difference with our art. But, um, you know, 
people are loud. Social media is loud. And um, I think it's coming back to that anchor of why do I do this? And with each project, is this helping me move the needle forward in my career? Having people on your team who you trust to say, like, is this the right next step? You know, um, because there's a role that I played recently that was 125 a day and I was pumped to be there. It was wild. It was a comedic challenge. I didn't have a trailer, you know, like it's. But you're I, like, but this is moving me forward as an artist. This is giving me these new connections. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, I think that's the distinguishing uh, part of it is when you, when you book a job, mm -hmm. There's, there's so many different elements that come with that is you'll get paid some sort of money. There'll mm -hmm. be some sort of compensation, mm -hmm. right? I guess we'll say compensation, not even money because mm -hmm. there might not be money. There might be a different form of compensation, right? you know, then it's, who are you meeting? You know, mm -hmm. uh, and I love you bringing it up as an artist, right? Mm -hmm. Like, is this going to help me grow as an artist? Is it going to give you potentially like real footage that you don't have? Like all of these elements come into booking mm -hmm. and really being able to look at like not the ones that make you look good looking at all of those other aspects and say where am i growing and then is it worth it and can we just talk about looking good for a moment it's it's the preschool teacher in me like <laughs> i someone will slide into my dms and be like you're killing it and i'm like that's something i shot two years ago i'm at home with my dogs yeah i love you you're doing great you're exactly where you're supposed to be I think there's such a culture of fear of like, what are other people doing? What are they auditioning for? Who would it, and it, that is just noise, you know? Um, and something I heard Tom Millam say a while ago, I think it was a, like a get seen conference. He said, racehorses wear blinders for a reason. And I quote you all the time, Tom, I haven't met you, but you're a pal. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you for that. Cause I say it all the time and it's a marathon mentality. It's not that we're in a race, but I'm like, yeah, if I'm looking at what so-and-so is doing, I'm like missing the miracle of the fact that I get to do this when I gave up on myself, you know, and I'm not going to cry on get seen unscripted, but it's just, it comes back to. It's not over yet. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> it comes back to why do you do this? And I just think we've, we've got to keep the lights on. We've got to be fed. But also there's going to be passion projects and there's going to be, you know, things that I mean, I ended up doing I, I got to be a part of a project that went to Tribeca and like had no idea that would happen. And it was that filmmaker's first feature. Wow. And I'm like, I got to be a part of his first feature. And it, you know, then got to share that experience with my reps in New York and with Jake and Corey. Like we all got to see that together. And it was three blocks away from where I used to teach preschool. Wow. And I just had this moment where like at this fancy party, I didn't know any of that was happening. And I just, when I tell you, I went home and just wept because I was like, my younger self never would have thought. And it's those moments and then sharing them with the people that make them possible and I think it's just coming back to what's important and what what makes you proud and what like perspective, you know? Yeah, so. perspective is so, so important. And in, in talking about, you know, Tribeca and working in LA and all these things, it's it I would think it's a lot to balance. How do you balance um all of the things that you do? I'm really attached to my planner. <laughs> the planner is key. The planner, I'm very, I 
I'm a, you know, people give me a lot of slack. They're like, you're so busy. You're so like, you've got such a schedule. And I'm like, that's for my mental health. Like I have office hours. I have, because when I went to school as a teacher, I showed up at 7.30. I didn't, you know, like kind of clock out until at least after five or 5.30. I had structure to my day. And for me, if I just have open-ended days and I'm saying yes to lunch with, with anybody any day, I'm like, I'm never thinking about how I'm moving the needle forward and working on my goals and working on myself, you know? And you know Devin Carraway? Um, mm. She's one of my really good yeah. friends. We went to Tribeca together, but we met on an actor accountability call six or seven years ago. And I reached out to her and I'm like, hey, I can't afford to keep doing this program long-term. Um, would you like to be accountability buddies? So we call each other or get on Zoom every morning at eight and we've done it for the last seven years. Whoa. And we share the three actions we're taking that day with each other and then check in when it's done. And um, she now lives in Atlanta and New York, goes back and forth. I go back and forth between New York and Atlanta. We see each other all the time. And we joke, we're like, look how our lives have changed just being intentional about, we share our monthly goals, we share our yearly goals, we share our vision boards, nerds. Um, <laughs> and. I think just, and it doesn't look like anything I've planned, but I've been intentional about taking action and then we support one another when we get fearful. And I think just having running buddies in this business, Candace is one for me, like you've always been one that um, you know and love and trust. Um, and I went through this with Adrian Epley, who's become my best friend. We both had a callback for... Um, for Pain Hustlers, which she ended up booking, and I cried when she booked it because it was amazing. <laughs> um, we both had an, a, a callback for another role, and it was back-to-back because the director was in London. So it was like at 8 and 8.15. And we said, like, do you want to read for each other and and support one another in the callback? And it was it solidified our friendship because we genuinely were each other's hype woman and supported each other. And then, you know, she auditioned for that many times and seeing her book it, I was like, yes, you're meant to be on this set. She got to work opposite one of her idols. Like it was meant for her. And then she's seen things come through that were meant for me. And I think having a person that's safe that you know actually wants the best for you and isn't low key competing with you or saying nasty things is really meaningful, you know? You know what's so cool about that story is that you actually like doubled your chances mm. of success. Because you're like, you know what? Let's team up on this. Mm. Meaning like if you get it, I get it. Like we both helped each other and you joined that journey. So even though you didn't necessarily get Pain Hustlers, you jumped on Adrian's journey of her getting it. And so that feels like a win for you. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, I, it's, it's very corny, but it's like if my dream's not coming true today, I want someone who I love's dream to come true today. Like I know the work she puts in. I know who she is. I want to see her win, and I want I want to be on a red carpet together. We've had that experience. We like, have, yeah. I you know I love Michelle Williams and Busy Phillips, and like seeing Busy Phillips in the front row whooping for Michelle Williams when she's accepting Golden Globes, and seeing Jamie Lee Curtis in the front row whooping for people like get you a Jamie Lee Curtis, you yeah. know. And I think if we can't be happy for other people, again, it's coming from wounding. It's deep fear that we're not going to have what they have. And I I try to look at people who are doing what I want to do and see them as an example that it's possible. 
rather than taking something from me because it's not mine. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, and I don't want to have the character of someone who's not happy for other people, you know? Uh, I I mean, just so true. And you brought up the the red carpet from Jazzman's when we were in Toronto. And and yeah, I remember that was um, that was a time that I was so focused on on what it is that we're talking about. And I was like so happy for you and Candy and and and, and Tyler Perry even. Like I, I was just like, it was so cool to just be there. And and I and I never once thought, oh man. Why aren't, well, how come I'm not in this movie? Mm-hmm. I instead just said, I'm getting to be a part of it because I'm in these people's lives in some way. And so now I get to experience this win too. And now it's a win for me. But do you remember, it is a win for you because do you remember, A, your hot wife was in the movie. <laughs> and also, uh, shout out Candy. Um, but also, do you remember what you said to me when I first moved here and I had a career consult with you? Um. Well, I, I'll remember probably when you tell me. Yeah, yeah, you're like, oh, maybe set it up a little better. Well, yeah. Um, I was like, what if it doesn't work out? I was like, I just moved here. I took my savings, moved to Atlanta. I don't know anybody. I was crying myself to sleep at the time. And you were like, no more of that. You're going to, like, why wouldn't it work out? And then I think, like, you're seeing something that you helped manifest. Because you didn't diminish me in that moment. Because a lot of people would have said to me, there's plenty of you here. Get out. <laughs> We're we're closed. But instead, you were like, you know what? I see you hustling. I see you putting in the work. And I'll never forget, like, you set me up to be a reader for Jacob when he was doing a... Oh, yeah, yeah. I have a picture from that day because I sent a picture to my mom. And I was like, I get to be a reader from Jacob from Privilege. And, like, so everything feels like a miracle when when you look back and you connect the dots of how the effort you've put in and the people who've encouraged you, like, how it all comes together. And I think that's the falling in love with the process thing. You know, I get excited when I get an audition for something that like I took a casting director workshop to get in front of that person. Then it's like, maybe don't get the role, but I'm seeing the hard work pay off. And it gets, it gets to be exciting because I kept a journal the first year I moved here and I wrote down all the things I was doing just to like comfort myself of like, I am taking action. I am safe. I will be okay. And on bad days, I look back and I'm like, all you wanted was to be living the life you're living now. And I think I just, I believe a part of my purpose is to say, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Because I left the business three times. I used to have a trash garbage mindset. I, you know, I just think it's, it goes to show that you put in the work over time it pays off. And do you remember the amazing iconic woman who used to come tape it, get taped, who would like bring in multiple wigs and have, she was probably in her seventies or eighties. Um, um, I'm blanking on oh. her name, but she was absolutely iconic. One day I taped her for like seven roles and she was, um, an older woman who was just I, dream of dreams. She was, uh, iconic. And I said to her, I was like, you're just amazing. You retaining these lines, all of these character choices. And Are she goes, Pat Fisher. I can't, I'm blanking on her name because okay. I'm a monster. But um, it's, the been gremlin's like, back. it's been like six years. Yeah, gremlin it's... here <laughs> knows no one's name. Um, <laughs> so she she said, sweetheart, after a while, the competition just starts to die off. And I was like, <laughs> oh, you legend. Yes. And, you know, it, I mean, you just keep going. I want to peak when I'm like Betty White era. 
I want to be like the nasty little lady on the sitcom. Totally, totally. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you just keep going. And I feel like that's part of my purpose to say to people, like, you have to believe in yourself. You did it for me, you know? So thank you. Well, thank you for the reminder. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Um, all right, Lauren, I think, I think we got to get to the spotlight sign off. Okay. Although I feel like we can just continue this conversation for, I don't know. I, I should just maybe one of these days be like, let's just try to, uh, set a podcast record and just <laughs> see how long this conversation can go. But, uh, so question number one with the, the spotlight sign off is, um, well, shoot, now I'm blanking. No, it's, uh, what's one thing that you are incredibly grateful for today? I'm very grateful for my health because I didn't always have it. Um, I had a lot of health challenges in my early 20s that like I was bedridden for a long time, hospitalized on and off. And, you know, when people are like, you're so happy, I'm like, because I'm out of bed today. I'm not in a hospital today. Um, so when I start to spiral, I come back to that anchor and I have it on a bracelet. My dad, when I was in a, in a hospital for a while, got me this bracelet but that says nothing is worth more than this day. Mm. and so I wear this uh, and panic if I think I've lost it because it means so much to me. It's just like you're in the world and you're doing the thing you love. So even when I get my heart broken, I'm, which is often because, uh, you know, my dating track record. Um, I feel like you're on, you're on the up and up. I'm on the up and up. We are evolving. We're growing. Yeah. Um, I, although I did just go on a date and I thought I put the cap on my tea and I didn't. And I was like, oh. And you poured uh, it all over I yourself? I poured it all over myself when I went to take a drink. And I was like, so, sir, what you want to do when you drink a drink is put the top on. And he was like, oh, let me get you a napkin. I was like, oh, thank you for your help. Yes. So, I'm sure he and fell for sudden, me. And then all of a sudden you realize, maybe I did this on purpose. Maybe. Yeah. I'm a mastermind. Um, <laughs> no, it was. But yeah, all that to say, really grateful for my health. Uh, I will continue to be the girl who doesn't put the top on her drink and has lipstick on her teeth, however. <laughs> and we love you for it. Thank you. Thanks for getting me. <laughs> what is a book, a TV show, or event that changed the trajectory of your life? I heard Sarah Barry Ellis's Used to Be Mine when I was a preschool teacher in Florida. And have you seen Waitress or have you heard that song? No. It winded me. Like I burst into tears and it was just that I felt like I'd given up on myself. And I sobbed and listened to the song obsessively and I saw that they were casting Cabaret at a local theater and I trained for three months and I hired my friend Andrea to, you know, practice my my audition song and the dance and, you know, help me get into shape to dance again um, and booked that role. And it got me back into acting. Mm. And it just I, I love reminding myself of that because we can be a part of a piece of art or create a piece of art that literally changes the course of someone's life. And I think it was just hearing it and being moved by it on such a visceral level. I was like, I'm not, I love these kids. I love teaching, but I'm, I'm denying a part of who I am. And so I sob through that musical. <laughs> I think so important too is, um, just like that happened to you and who created that has no idea the effect mm -hmm. that it, that it had on you mm -hmm. and 
however many other people potentially. And I think then like, then let's look in the mirror and be like, we have the ability to do that too. And you might not get every single acclaim or Facebook comment or mm -hmm. TikTok like like or mm -hmm. whatever, like that you are, are getting that attention that, you know, sometimes we want. Mm -hmm. Know that like, if you're out here ready to make an impact and that, and you have that service mentality of wanting to help others, like you probably are. Mm -hmm. And in so many ways that you don't even know. And I think we think like, oh, maybe I'll make a moving piece of, you know, of art and move someone. But it's like, I loved watching the Friends reunion when David Beckham was interviewed and he said, you know, I traveled all over the world and there were times I was really lonely and depressed and I could turn that show on and it felt like home. And I'm like, you know, you can be a part, you just making someone laugh who's maybe suffering from depression or, you know, just lost a loved one. Like that's an act of service, you know? Yes. So I think sometimes we can easily devalue what we do, but it does affect people's lives, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Wow. Third question is, uh, what is something that you really cherish in your daily routine? Mm. I, <laughs> I have two dogs and when I wake up in the morning and just like breathe and greet them, these dogs, uh, have me mistaken with Madonna. They think I am <laughs> the most important woman who's ever walked the face of the I mean, earth. To them, you are. The joy that they bring me every morning, just waking up. And I, I have to consciously say like, okay, I'm up. I'm ready to greet them because otherwise my dog's like, you know, just pouncing on me. Um, and just that unconditional love and setting the tone of like, I'll, I'll say to them, like, it's a great day to be alive. <laughs> like, we're just, you know, like just... Um, is going to be a great day. And they're just happy existing. They're just happy, you know, uh, living their very best lives. And I do everything for them. So they should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm obsessed. Um, Dogs are great. Yeah. You they know, they really are. They're my children. I was on set once and someone was like, Do you have children? I was like, Yes, too. And then I was like, they're dogs. They're <laughs> the two dogs of my... <laughs> and it's like, I'm never going to be asked back here. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I've done a lot of ways, a lot of things to lock Dolly out, but I feel like this would be the moment that Dolly just should bust come in. in the door. Just bust I'm here. She figures it out. It's a great day to be alive. <laughs> um, fourth question is, what's something you're currently trying to improve in your life? Mm. There's always many things. That's the pause. Um, I historically, if I've gotten my feelings hurt, I won't say something in the moment. Um, and I've been practicing in my relationships, realizing that I can't, um, I can't control how someone reacts, but I, I can say calmly, hey, I'm not sure how you meant that, but this is how I received it. Can we just clear that up? And I, I, I was raised in a house that like there weren't those kinds of discussions. It was like you didn't, you were, you know, you were grateful and we didn't go there. So I am practicing just saying how I really feel so I don't internalize it and get resentful because you know, I'm just getting really, I, and I think, again, the actor in me, I'm like, I'm trying to get interested in my behavior as a human being that doesn't work, you know? And then the other thing is like, just 
in dating, like being like, okay, I'm the common denominator here. Like what's going on and getting curious about that. And maybe it's that I can't drink out of a cup, but there are also other things. And it's exciting. It's why I love your wife so much as I called her and I was like, oh my gosh, I just talked to a therapist and we just unpacked this and this has been the thing in my dating. And she was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And I, now I get excited about being like next level unlocked instead of what's wrong with me? Because mm. we're all here doing the best we can. There's nothing wrong with any of us. That's the, that's the rub, you know, is that we're all feeling like we're broken and could be better. And I'm like, we're just doing the best we can. And then we evolve and unlock the next level. So. I, I like the, I like the outlook of uh next level unlocked. Yeah. I think that's cool. Cause yeah. You know, I, I think we probably at some time or another all played some video games mm -hmm. and we always always Sonic. wanted to get to the next level. Mm -hmm. Heck yeah, Sonic, mm -hmm. yeah. And um and yeah, we always want to get to the next level. And I just think that's that's just a small shift, right? Mm -hmm. and, and we didn't talk too much about these mindset shifts. I know that we could have, and we'll mm -hmm. bring you back and we will. Uh <laughs> but that's a small mindset shift that can like literally change everything. Oh yeah. Of like, instead of this, like, oh, this is what's wrong with me. I have to fix it because it's broken mm -hmm. as opposed to like, oh, I'm just unlocking the next level. Totally. But I will say I used to walk around thinking I was broken and that's what got me there. So I love but to that's remind the people. Yeah. yeah I like, oh, I got to fix this. Yep. Well, you only need to fix things that are broken, mm -hmm. but you're not broken. Yep. And I love to remind people like anything you're walking through in a particular season that's challenging. And I've had many. So I empathize and I love you. Um, you're going to be called to use it in your art. And as long as you have that mindset of this is just a season, I will get to the other side of this and that's where wisdom is born on like moving through the thing that you think is unique to you that no one's ever experienced. Like that is what lights us up in telling stories, you know? Yeah. Um, and then you're gonna be called to play certain roles that no one else could play because you've been there, you know? Last question, Lauren. Here we go. Based on your life and if there was one piece of advice you wanted all the listeners to absolutely receive, what would that piece of advice be? Yeah, that you are needed here and that your worth is never in question. Just you are innately of value and the world needs you and what you bring and your light. You know, fantastic. Yeah, Lauren Buyoli, it was fantastic. It was so great to talk to you. I'm really, really grateful for you. Thank you for all the things you've taught me, and for you know, not not instilling fear in me when you could have. You know, I don't know why I would have. I mean, some people you're, are angry. Let's be real. Some yeah, people are true. angry and jaded, and you know, see someone's light and want to extinguish it. Mm. You know. So thanks for not over that. here. Throw <laughs> logs in that fire, baby. Um, no, you're so fantastic. And thank I appreciate you, you so much. So I thank you so much you. for being here. And I love you, Candy. If you're listening, I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, please do. If you enjoyed this episode, and I imagine there's somebody that you're thinking about right now that could probably benefit from hearing it, I encourage you to send it their way. So again, thank you so much, everyone. We'll see you on the next one.